0: This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having a friend of mine for a long time in the industry, Frank Uncharski, coming to me from
1: North Carolina. Welcome to Halo Talks. Good to see you again. Thanks so much, Pete. It's great to be here. I'm honored to be a part of it and uh, just see what we can do. Awesome. So, you know,
0: maybe give a little background on... You know, you've been an operator in this industry for a long time. You've seen a lot of different trends. Um, you know, if we kind of take now as as the, the new starting point, um, you know, after you talk about your background, you know, where do we kind
1: of go from here? Sure. Um, thanks for that. My background, um, I'll say that I'm a seasoned veteran. However, um, I like to get around and tell people I've been around since dirt was invented. Uh, leg warmers were around and the step was just coming out. And the Stairmaster was not even a, uh, a, a a reality yet. And there was the duo chest from Nautilus. And so that's <laughs> how long I've been in the business. And I've had a chance to work for, with some great um, people and organizations. David and I were just talking about uh, the fitness company back in the 80s with Roger <laughs> Harvey, who's done really well for himself. And Terry Blachek and Rich Manley and Jean-Marie Potter, who is the co-founder and CEO of NFC Amenity Company, who also was joined by Tracy Briglia at the same company, and Bonnie Metallian, who's been a worldwide consultant in our industry for years. On and on, some just tremendous people. Uh, Dave Carney, who's still around with uh, Orange Theory, um, and Keith Wirtz, who's with Crunch. So we've we've had a a stellar group of people, and we kind of called ourselves the dream team, But that was not because we were so wonderful as much as we were amazing together. And so I I would just tell you that I've had a chance to be around the country. I've been in the medical fitness space. I've been in the JCC space, and I've been in the commercial side of the industry as a CEO, uh, COO, an owner, vice president, area director. So I've had a lot of good experience, and and most recently I was asked to be – Uh, or voluntold to be on the Ursa Headlight Committee. So I'm really excited about that and contributing to the facility standards, uh, which lines up with my past and passion for American College of Sports Medicine. And then I've also been pretty involved with uh, some other organizations most recently. And we just started this group called the DEI, which is Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And there's gonna be more about that in the industry uh, coming down the pike. Uh, Proud Penn Stater. Um, uh, went to school there, uh, when kinesiology, and then my under my master's was in, uh, American university and health fitness management. So I'm a lifer. I like to call myself. Awesome. Um, and as far as, you know, us, where do we go from here? You know, I think we're all COVID fatigued, if you will, we're all tired of it. We all have had our share of moments of insanity and depression and we keep fighting through it. And I keep continuing to hear how wonderful this industry is for not only physical health, but mental health and now preventative health as it relates to COVID and the implications. So we're, we're primed. And I said this on my own webinar that we are primed for an epic comeback. I really believe that. The people I know, the people I've seen, the people I've worked with Really get it, and now that we've started to figure out technology, technology that's been accelerated because of what's happened. But when you match the talent in this industry with the technology that's available to us, I think we're going to have an epic comeback.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, someone said, you know, what's what's the silver lining? Um, you know, through through COVID, I really think it is the the traditional bricks and mortar providers basically saying, all right, I actually need to innovate. And, you know, quite frankly, before COVID, you know, the unit economics of running a health and fitness bricks and mortar location were so strong and it was so much private equity and investors in the space that, you know, it's like doing it would be nice to have some digital, but I actually I don't need it right now. You know, and now it's come kind of to a point where actually like I need it to run my business and I'm and I'm I've had the time to think, you know. So I feel like COVID's kind of at least allowed people to stop and say, All right, when I do come back and, and it is full throttle, you know, do I need a keychain that I hand off to someone at the front desk and then they hand it back to me? Is that physical interaction necessary? The answer is no. You know, should I make sure that I integrate with whatever app somebody wants to use? Because I'm here to basically make sure a member gets results and wherever they want to, whatever technology they want to use, I want to integrate into that. I don't want to put up a barrier to anyone getting the physical and mental, you know, results that they want. So, you know, as you look at some of the clients that you've been talking to, are you sold on the fact that we get it now as an industry? Do you feel like? We're kind of tiptoeing into technology, and kind of as an aside, when I was running an internet company back in the day, you know, there's some guys that are like, "Hey, I'll, I'll get on your software," but I'm kind of hoping that this is a fad, you know, and like, because I don't want to be a technology guy; I want to be a fitness guy. And I'm like, "Well, you you got to be if you're not a technology guy, you're not a fitness guy for too long." Kind so of where do you think we're at? Like, to have kind of cross
1: the chasm. That's uh, a great question. I think we have crossed the chasm. And, and you know, at the risk of sometimes sound like I'm old school, I'm really not. I have an old soul, but my, my, my old school way of thinking is not going to get us there. And I, I would tell you that the ability to innovate, the ability to accept technology and not have some of the same human interactions we used to have, to your point about the touchless entry, and, and really go to where the customer is. And some of these personal trainers who've left our clubs and have gone on to become pretty wealthy in their own right just by doing this virtual world, we've got to figure out a way to embrace them coming back if we want them to have the in-person as well as the virtual. And I actually think that could expand the business where the personal trainer could be at home when they're home to train or at the club. So I I do feel like the technology chasm has been crossed. I mean, some of us are still on the the high wire crossing over it, but it's here. So what are your thoughts on, and and I
0: wrote this article the other day, I don't know if you saw it, um, but basically saying like, here's my rebuttal to the players that are telling me that the health club industry and the studio industry is going to become, you know, the dinosaur like the arcades you know, and everything's going to home. And I'm like, well, one, you know, we're social animals and we actually want interaction and everyone that works in the industry on average, I would say is like an E for extroverted on their Myers-Briggs and not a I for introverted. Um, and then also, you know, people don't fully appreciate you know, my fiance the other day was doing a home workout on this like luxury vinyl tile, you know, fake wood floor. And like, You know, she's like injured right now and people don't fully appreciate, you know, like that a health club is actually designed for you to get results and not get hurt. Um, So, you know, what's your what are your thoughts on, you know, whether it's Peloton or Amazon band um, or some of these other groups or mirror or tonal? Like, do they come to the point where they're like, hey, actually, you got all these people working out in here. Why don't I do a partnership with you? I'll put some of your equipment in. And maybe you kind of become like a reseller for me, or we do a partnership where somebody wants that tonal. All right, that's cool. I'll put another 99 bucks on a month on your health club membership and I'll own the member and I will basically be like your gym source. You know, do you think that that's maybe the next evolution here when people stop putting commercials up, you know, four in a row for me to buy a, you know, a, I buy a flex a tonal, a mirror, or I can adopt a tiger for 12 bucks a month, you know, on like my cable, you know, commercial feed. There's yeah. like five commercials I see every day. I might, I might, I might adopt a, a tiger. <laughs> you, you should can do that. <laughs> you can. You know, you can I don't know if you get your own. Yeah. I, think, you own. I think they, they oversell it. But anyway, that's a separate timeshare issue that I'm going to talk about in another podcast. So I'm going to stop ranting it. and get your commentary.
1: Well, first of all, I have read that article. And in fact, I even commented on it on LinkedIn for the bricks and mortar piece. And I appreciate you taking the leadership because we aren't dead. Um, I do really believe in the social nature of our industry. I don't believe, though, in not having some technology as it related to it and embrace the things that you mentioned. I mean, you talked about tel, uh, tonal and Peloton places like iFit, all of these subscription-based models, I think, are here to stay. I still believe they're going to be a complement, but I also believe that clubs can do well by themselves embracing the membership side as people normally come in, but upsell it to some sort of virtual um, feed that can give them an opportunity to take their membership home with them, Um, because I do think that's here to stay, and I, I do think that that is going to happen. I having been in clubs a lot, especially uh, creating a playbook for American Family Fitness, the reopening playbook for the staff and the members and seeing what happened when we reopened and how fearful people really are and became more fearful. And now we've got this new strain. And so the fear is real. So we can't be ignorant to that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we have the blinders on that. We're going to be still surviving uh, this bricks and mortar. I do think though until the vaccine happens we have to continue to get ready for this epic comeback and i believe firmly that if you take care of your people now and it's probably less of them and you embrace and figure out technology you're going to be in a really good place
0: yeah you know what, what we're actually right i'm writing a book right now um which which i think you'll really like basically run your business like a sports team yep. and you'll win. And when you think about like your employees, your employees are like your players and your fans are your members. And somebody said to me the other day, and they're going through some restructuring. They said, you know, I'm, I don't want to send out an email to um, to my sleeper members because, um, you know, they might cancel. And I'm thinking to myself, like, let's say you're at it. Let's say you owned. Uh,
1: uh, what, what do you like the Charlotte? Uh, what do you like the Jaguar? Uh, uh, I'm a big, big. No, I'm a big New York sports fan, and I uh, oh, love good. my UNC Tar Heels though.
0: So. All right, so you're a New York Giants fan? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, awesome, me too. So we'll get along. Not that we didn't before, but we'll get along. <laughs> but now better. we're now we're besties. Now we're now we're much tighter. <laughs> uh, I should have given you like a like a quiz beforehand. Be like things I like that you like. So. You know, if there were thirty percent of the people that owned a PSL license that paid twenty-five grand for that seat, if they came to a game and thirty percent of the stands were sleeping, like they're never coming back, you're never selling them anything else. They're definitely not buying a souvenir on the way back because they just want to get out of here. So, like this idea that 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 like there's a sleeper member is like wake them up. Like, don't just don't walk over. You know, because that credit card, like these people are not credit cards anymore. And I'm like upset to say like, there was a guy who told me, I said to a guy years ago who owned a big club chain. I'm like, who's your, who's your target member? He's like, anyone's got room on their fucking credit card. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that's not the right answer, right? Like that's what he said to me. So like, how do you kind of view like the, the, the next evolution of like, Hey, wear a name tag, like know the people's name that come in, you know, in, in like your players are like, have the extension to the fans. You know, and, and and treat them like treat your treat your players, treat your employees like players, and treat your your members
1: as like PSL like VIP, you know, participants in this. Yeah, no, I I'm so glad that you asked that because I that's one of my really hard to digest pet peeves that I hear from clients and owners um, as it relates to waking the sleeping bear. You know, uh, why do you want to do that? Because they're going to cancel anywhere. And you know what I I say? B.S. I call bull on you because that means you have either no confidence in your team, no confidence in your product, and no confidence in your service. And if you have that problem and you say that, then there's something else you should do because you're right. They're going to, they're going to cancel no matter what. So you reminded a couple people I've long believed this in the industry. The cheat factor is low. People aren't trying to get one over on you when people really just need help on the freeze, or they really need to get out of their agreement. The cheat factor is just not there. And I, I just, Some people say, oh, Frank, you're Pollyannish. And I say, well, that might be true, but I do believe in service delivery and I do believe in the people side. And if you're not delivering that, you stink at service. You can't go any further. And no matter what you do, if you have that attitude, it either is real and you need to do something about it or it's perception and get over yourself and not have such insecurity. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the other thing that I think is interesting at least for So I lived in New York city for 10 years. I was a member of 10 different health clubs or studios, mm-hmm. right? So I'm a hundred percent attrition for the industry on an annual basis, but I'm, but I haven't left the industry. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when you take a look at, you know, whether it's, a, it, it's your own personal behavior, you know, what, as it relates to fitness, like I feel like clubs and studios need to understand that people are on a rotation and it might be an annual rotation. It might be a quarterly rotation. You know, somebody might start out at planet fitness and they might upgrade to, you know, like an EOS and then they might upgrade to lifetime. And then they might come back down or then they might go do CrossFit. Like, I feel like people need to understand that there's a certain amount of attrition that you can control. And there's a certain amount of attrition. That's like, I don't have any kids, but like, let your kid go to college and then let them go do this. And it like, just be part of the rotation, And like, there'll be enough people kind of coming in and out that your attrition isn't as important as like your price per visit, if you will. Right. And if somebody wants to cancel, like, and they want to try something else, or if they had a bad experience, then like, God, that dem canceling is like a benefit to you because it's almost like a, it's like an alert, you know, like a notification, if you will. That like, Hey, something's not going right here. And it cost me this member, but actually like, okay, so I lost 500 bucks, but look what I learned.
1: 100%. And I would tell you that that speaks to the whole service approach on their way out. The way you treat people on the way out is something they'll remember. You treat them like garbage on the way out. You got to hold them to this contract because they moved 30 miles away and your your uh, relocation policy is 25, or that somebody has a child in the hospital and they just got a divorce and you want to have an attitude about that, well, they signed something. And and I just believe that that will come back to bite you. you. You shrink your market more by the way you treat somebody on the way out than you do based on more competition and you have the opportunity for rebound members like yourself, Pete, and you have opportunities for generally alumni members who were members and we see it all the time. They come back, especially if you treat them well on their way out.
0: Yeah. So what what are some of the things that you're seeing either on the technology deployment or um, on the virtual side or what people have in store for people coming back to the club, whether that's like workout recovery or whether it's kids program, what are some of the things that you're like, Oh, finally, you know, people are starting to embrace this or, you know, thinking about their business a little bit broader.
1: Yeah. You know, I've come across a couple things. One is chats and AI voice and a little shout out to a friend of mine, Tim Siebold, who started a company called Sulus And. What they do is that they have chats and AI voice. And a lot of us in the industry don't even know what that is. They've probably been a part of it on some other website, but not our industry. And the reason why I love it is twofold. One is that people want to get an answer when they want it at that time. And when you're not open and when you don't have the hours that are convenient for them, then they may leave your site. They may not be able to get the answer and put the membership on freeze. And so I think that when we are able to handle that much better and it saves us on efficiencies with time and payroll, we get ahead. And I think what happens is that when we've had now to reduce staff there's less people available for those customer service calls when chat can handle it. And I'll just um, tell you that what really sold me on it was this past May when I had to get my property tax on my cars in North Carolina, you get to pay property tax. I did it at 10 o'clock on a Sunday and not only registered my vehicle, but paid my property tax through a chat. And Mm -hmm. so that's an example (laughs) of a live person. It was not a live. Well, not on a Sunday, not in in government work.
0: Like
1: it was an AI like machine learning tool. Yeah, and it actually recalled um, my name and my license plate from the file that I had from the year before. So I had hardly any work done. I never had to stand in line, and I used my credit card in a secured way. And then my my registration sticker came in the mail two weeks later. So that would be one example. I also talked to a a new friend of mine at HealthWorks, Mark and uh, Matt Harrington, about what they're doing on online. And Matt was telling me he was like one of the first ones to do online memberships. And I think with COVID especially, and with just the nature of how people feel about salespeople, unfortunately, is that the ability to really mastermind your ability to sell memberships and monetize it online has to happen. I think we all think we're supposed to build relationships and get the ask for's and all those traditional things and referrals. But I do think your ability to sell online memberships, he told me at HealthWorks, they were the first company, 100% of their sales are done online. So yeah. I, I think that that's, that's a that's a real, real find and a real eye opener in how you take care of people. I've, I also talked to, uh, Scott Gillespie up at SACO, uh in Maine, and he does a great job. And he's talked about this quite a bit. And he's also talked about how we pay salespeople. So now it's more of a uh, solid base and a team bonus, not as much of this uh, eat what you kill kind of thing. So I, I like right. those kinds of trends that are happening. Got it.
0: So, you know, as you look at, you've worked at some of the really big sports complexes and, you know, I'll call it like big box you know, I, I'd say like there's a moat around those just from a standpoint of the capital investment that needs to be put into those. And I'm, I'm very bullish that the sports complexes and the lifetimes of the the, the, the U.S. and, and Canada kind of become, you know, what our parents, you know, viewed as like their country club. Mm-hmm. And people are going to be less inclined to go to a foreign country and get on an airplane over the next several years just with covid and who else knows what comes up or political instability and so on and so forth so i'm I'm really bullish on the fact that sports clubs become you know the go-to like third place if you will um or maybe even the second place because people are working from home do you see people have the guts right now to actually raise their prices because i'm still seeing a lot of like zero down first month free and it's like people aren't getting fit right now at least in my mind they're not getting fit because you're offering them a deal they're getting fit because they want to live and they could probably gain on average 15 20 pounds during COVID, and they want to get that off so they're actually looking for you as a solution and i feel like some of their other options like let's say like you wanted to do cool sculpting like that would cost you like three to five thousand dollars you know i'm already offering you like 99 a month, let's say. You know, do I really need to offer you any less like three bucks a day? Give me a
1: fucking break. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, I think how that, do you feel about pricing? Well, normally I'm not a discounter, especially for the large big box um luxury uh brands that you talked about, like Lifetime, where I've spent some time. And they certainly are best in class. And they they understood that, but they had to cave in um to some of the discounting, particularly on the enrollment fee. They don't do anything on the on the membership dues side, which is smart. But I do think the the difference right now, Pete, for me, is that legitimately people have had a major hit to their income. Yeah. And so I think as we come out of it, I'd be more inclined to start raising the prices. Cause what I hear you asking about is the demand raising. Now, I, I also think what, it's still a challenge in our industry is that for the vast majority of the population exercise is too much work and it's too hard. And I hurt. And as, as a 60 plus or now myself, I would tell you that it does hurt a lot more to be active. And so yeah. I, I think we have to be careful about overvaluing ourselves and maybe it's more about the v- um, value proposition and how well we meet where that market is and what the customers are telling you. Um, I do think we're going to come out of it, but I am a fan of of going easy on people right now when they're really legitimately hurt.
0: Yeah. And then from a standpoint of um, messaging, um, you know, I feel like Planet Fitness has done a great job of kind of simplifying the message and simplifying the onboarding. The, the I still feel like there are a number of clubs that we work with that have so much going on inside of their facility that it gets so complicated to explain to people like what this membership has. It's almost like you're signing up for like a software service. Like, Hey, we got, you know, all these different tiers and we got all these different programs and you know, personal training. It's like, at some point it's like, okay, this place is clean. It's fun. It's affordable. We got a good culture and vibe here. And whatever you want to do, like it's here. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, I feel like we almost like got lost in the complexity and the depth of the programming. You know, do you feel like, you know, we've got the ability to simplify the message? Do you feel like it's, it does need to be consultative to an extent? Maybe just when somebody comes into the club to give them almost like a, you know, a tour. But, you know, the marketing and the sales should just be
1: online, you know, and get your get your marketing message down digitally. Yeah, I do think the digital answer is the way to go primarily going forward, um, particularly for joining. But you said something that I'd like to jump on it. And that was, you said, give them a tour. The real good operators allow the prospect to give the membership advisor the tour, meaning that go to where they're interested, not show them everything because they're going to get overwhelmed. So I do think that the day of the tour is, is maybe over traditionally, but I think a virtual tour is something that's going to be of, <laughs> of interest for people and us getting our GoPros on and walking around the club to show them what it's really like. I think that that's an important piece so that they can tour the club and join online, whatever, out having to walk in the door. Um, I, I do think that that is an important piece. So was there, there was a, there's a part two, I think in there. I
0: think that's just a part of, you know, like I, I, if we, we, Dave and I had a podcast with a guy who um, said, look, make it fun and don't try to tell me how much weight I'm going to lose because, yeah. you know, I don't know if I have the ability and the mental capacity to get there right now, but I also don't want to preclude myself from trying I guess it's probably the best
1: synopsis of that. I I think that's a a great comment because I think sometimes for a lot of people, the greatest victory is getting to the door,
0: right? Not what they do
1: inside. So get them to the door, make them feel welcome. And particularly the ones that now with all the persona Work that the companies can do for you. You can know your customer a little bit better and anticipate how you should handle that interaction. And it goes back to the the days of keeping it simple, but let them have success and leave early so that they want to come back. And so, as it relates to the profitable programs, you know, we always try to force feed people into these orientations, and and a lot of people either don't want to do it. They know their way around a health club or they also, you know, set the appointment, then they don't show. And then the personal trainers wonder to know where's all the new members. And I think it's more about how we handle those people at the beginning on what their terms are, just because we think they should go through an orientation doesn't mean that they want to, to your earlier point. And I, I I thought about the last point I wanted to make on this topic was the programs that we have and making it too more, making it too complicated. I will say that this is a great opportunity. I've, I've seen some of the key operators uh, on my regular CEO, COO club leader call on Tuesday, really start to get rid of the unprofitable programs. The ones that we think add value, maybe when you're cash rich and maybe when people are asking for it, you could do that. But I see the, the top flight operators not Offering any programs that are not making them money. Mm-hmm. The I value agree. offering is, is a really tough opportunity right now when they've had to lay off a lot of people.
0: Yeah. So w- w- one other point I just wanted to, one, get out there onto the airwaves and also get your commentary on. I feel like people now have a preference on how they want to be communicated with. Like I want I want an email if it's a business situation because i i I keep my emails as like my list of things to do whereas if there's something that's going on related to something personal i want a text message right and i don't want you to ever phone call me unless you're with my mother right don't call me right so I, i feel like there are certain things where like maybe we should start to take it back dial it back a bit and say instead of like hey what are you looking to achieve before i ask you what you're looking to achieve how do you want me to communicate with you? Like, what's your preference? I feel like we sometimes jump a couple of steps ahead of like, hey, I'm building a relationship with you. Like if you and I were dating, which I already have a fiance, so I'm ex out of that. But it's if okay. we were, you we'd be like, hey, like we like we text or we phone call or we email, like we usually like pick a channel, right? And like you pick a channel based on the relationship. So just, you know, I just want to get that out there. And also you've been in this industry for a long time and I've done calling efforts and email marketing and probably tested out some text message platforms. You know, is there, is there something to be said or like, what's your thoughts on that? You don't have to agree with me about that.
1: No, no, I, I, I was going to, before I answer that, ask you a question. So if I sure. called you and and I left a voicemail, are you listening to it? I might listen to it, but I'm not calling you back. I'll text you back. <laughs> You'll you see personally? You yeah. personally, yeah, I'll call you back.
0: <laughs> no, but, but this you, I have... you're like a health club. <laughs> like I, I signed up for like trying to find a personal trainer. Yeah. And they're like called in like one of these like marketplace apps when I got to California. And like I went through Bark or something. And like they texting me, they're emailing me. They're not really giving me what I want. And then somebody called me and I was like, now it's like intrusive.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I would wow. say that the world has changed. I ask you in jest because I have this running feud with a couple friends that they they call me back and they say I saw that you called, and I go, okay, <laughs> and and I, and I and I say, did you listen to the message? So in other words, I have to tell you twice what I wanted to tell you that you could have texted me back. So listen to the darn voicemail already. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, there's, a, good, this a, a little. I have a little thing about phones and voicemails. But from a professional standpoint, I agree with you that I think the world has changed. And I think this younger generation um, has really opened up to wanting to spend money on their health. How they like to be communicated is through texting, whether it be like InTouch, who does an amazing job on their text communication and other platforms that are out there that really companies... They think they're spending a lot of money on it, but it's the way somebody wants to be communicated with, Pete, to your point. And I do think chats are the way to go because how many times do you go to a website, you try to get the answer yourself, and you quit probably after a minute or two, that is too hard, versus a chat that pops up and helps you guide through. So those companies that are mastering the in-touch texting kind of piece and the in-touch kind of chat feature and now the whole voice thing you could pick up a remote and change the channel you mean to tell me we can't pick up our phones and ask Siri or ask Google um, a question about a website when is the cycle class on Saturday and it can yeah. answer yeah oh, sorry sorry <laughs> oh, that was virtual testing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah yeah no I was
0: just testing myself out uh, for so AI. those
1: companies like Sewellis <laughs> and Sneeze it and then touch all of those companies are really trying to stack their technology and and I think it's it, it's a good way to go.
0: Yeah. So in closing here um you know we we're kind of quote collectors. So you got any quotes that over the years, you know, that's like a frankism or something that you've heard that you kind of resonates with you?
1: Oh man, I'm a big quote guy me on the spot. I would tell you to now I'm going to really endear myself to you and the New York listeners. Maybe not so much in the Washington DC area or Philadelphia or Dallas, but who cares about those? I'm picking geography, man. Let's just go all in. Yeah. Um, everywhere else I love. Um, I would tell you that, um, Bill Parcells wrote a book called no medals for trying. And in that that book, First of all, the title itself is a quote. Um, So if you're trying, it's just a noisy way of doing something. But in that quote, in that book, he talks about I better not have higher expectations of you than you have of yourself. And that just epitomizes people management and technology, especially if you don't know technology, then have an expectation. You're going to learn it. If you're not good at some of these things, you're going to learn it. So have higher expectations of yourself than you do of other people. And so that's how I'd kind of finish us off.
0: I love it. I love it. All right, man. Well, uh, we're excited to have you in the Halo Academy coming up. We think you're going to yeah. love it. Um, and uh, look forward to working with you more closely in uh, in 2021 and beyond. And we will uh, be the flag bearers and the ambassadors of the, uh, of the industry together and get our cohorts and turn us
1: into a movement like it was supposed to be from the beginning. No, I I agree. And I know that the listeners are probably just listening and not watching, but since we're on screen, I'm going to do what I do with all my webinars. I finish with a virtual fist bump. So let's get them up to the camera. One, two, three, Halo, one, two, three. Halo, all right, man. Thanks a lot. Good good to have you on, Frank. Talk to you soon. My pleasure, Pete.
0: As we continue to build our Halo Talks email notification database, wanna offer you a free $10 instant gift card from our friends at Promotion Vault. Also to show you how easy it is to offer your members and prospects and clients the ability to get desired actions out of them and reward them in real time, go to halotalks.com, put your email address into the pop-up box, see how it works, get a free $10 gift card from us, And uh, keep listening and making everybody great.